Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, March 3rd, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is getting wild, Russ. Yeah. Walk on the wild side. God, I'm so sorry I just did that. Apologies. (laughs) Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. Keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. You can find Russ Cohen here on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we are getting wild in a crossover episode with Seth Topol of the Locked On Wild podcast. Lots of fun things to talk about with him. And then we are going to do our prospect profile on draft eligible prospect Jonathan Lekaramaki. Locked On Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Russ, so real quickly before we get into our conversation with Seth, we saw lines at practice yesterday and lo and behold, Isaac Radcliffe is sitting for Max Willman. Do not enjoy this one bit. No, my... My answer to this would, or question to this would be, uh, are you really trying to develop Max Wellman? Like, we know what he is. He really is a guy that's not going to put the puck in the net. If you wanted somebody out there who's just, you know, not going to make a ton of mistakes and can move the puck a little and can get some scoring chances, fine. But if that's where you're going with and you're just, you're only having him in the lineup so you can bring him back next year to fill a hole at 750000 where you got a guy like Ratcliffe that maybe will be a third liner for sure, second liner possibly. You got to let him play and you got to let him try and develop. And, you know, this is the the stuff that goes on that I don't get. Me either. It is mildly upsetting that they keep doing this. And I love Max Wilman as much as the next person, but you're right, he's a fourth liner for the Flyers. And while this is the fourth line, it's just not giving us a window into what Isaac Radcliffe can do on a consistent basis if you're going to yo-yo him like that. But yeah, just throw him into that fourth line black hole. Yep, Go ahead. We will see how that turns out for Mike Yo and his coaching decisions. And speaking of Mike Yo and his past coaching decisions, he, of course, was a head coach for the Minnesota Wild. And we talked a little bit about that and many other things with Seth Topol of the Locked on Wild podcast. And that conversation is coming up right now. So talking about Chuck Fletcher and that whole regime with Mike Yo, what is the biggest difference in the Wild now versus then? Ah, that's a great question. Um, I think to start off, you know, I I look at Bill Guerin as the GM of this team, and it just, it seems like he just has such a vivid, like, plan and picture for what this roster needs to be. Under Fletcher, it always seemed like he, he had the core that, Fletcher had the core that he built, and it seemed like, you know, we're just going to get a bunch of these good players together, and we'll add to it 
every season, every chance we get to try to kind of tinker and um, and make this roster as good as it can be. Um, things plateaued very quickly um, under Chuck Fletcher. And so it seems to me he was a guy that looked more at like, well, we're just going to get this group of players to fit specific roles, whereas Garen is like, having been through winning Stanley Cups and what it takes to make a run to go to a uh, a Stanley Cup final, he seems very much more like we're bringing this player in because they do this, and that fits with what we're trying to do. Like, he just, he seems like he has very much more of a specific idea about what each player on the team needs to do. And for Dean Evason... Compared to Mike Yo, he he certainly has some things that he does that are similar to uh, to Yo. But I, I think one of the most surprising things to me, starting off Dean Evason's tenure, was that incident that happened against the Vegas Golden Knights on the road, where Zach Parisi was trying to get Marcus Foligno a hat trick, stayed on the ice through his shift, and the Golden Knights ended up tying the game and winning in overtime. Dean Evason who was just into his full-time head coaching tenure, benched Zach Parisi the game after that and said, this is not how we do things here. Considering how much we know now about the type of control that Parisi and Suter had behind the scenes, it's a very, very bold decision for a guy who has just gotten his his coaching tenure started. And that's not the kind of thing that uh, I... I don't think Mike Yo would have done something similar in that same situation. Everson just seems like he has a very good, very keen sense of what it takes to get particular players on the roster motivated. And I know Mike Yo had some of that, but I don't know that he had it to the same level that uh, that Everson has. You know, he calls. Well, he doesn't bench any veterans. I can tell you that. Uh, yeah, that's that's a big change. And, you know, Everson has called out players like Kevin Fiala, who obviously has been on a tear over the, uh, the last few months, calls him out publicly for his play because he knows that that's what it's going to take to get more out of right. him. And so you look at those two compared to Fletcher and Yo, and it just it seems like they just have a better grasp on what they want this team to do and how to get it out of them than Yo and Fletcher did when they were here. Nope, that's fair. I, I could see it. So let's talk Matt Boldy. Um, I'm a big draft guy, and I liked him in the draft and had him as a first-rounder. None of that is is anything to really write home about because you could see he was going to be a good player. But I, I saw something out of him in his World Juniors that let me know that he could be a star player just the way he was handling the puck, passing the puck, shooting the puck. I was like, okay. He, against his own age group, was clearly ahead of things and I don't want to get too far ahead because you know again you bring up a guy in his rookie year and point of game is not going to last I get it but give me an idea of the impact he's had because that's a team who next year will be in cap hell but you know Kaprizov, Boldy you know these guys with a little bit lower salaries can help them at least get through that well it was it was so crazy when Boldy came up because you look at that being the time that Kevin Fiala's numbers started to improve as well and so not only is he playing well, but we've seen the chemistry level that Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello have to where it's almost as if they are just two of the same player out there on the ice. They're comp- they're completing these, 
insane passes, crazy goals, because they know, you know, what the other player is going to be doing pretty much at all times. Fiala and Boldy have developed that, and Boldy just comes in as just this super, super poised player on the ice, and his his puck handling is great. He just he seems like somebody that has an idea at all times of what he wants to do with the puck. And it's it's one thing to be able to fit a pass into a tight window uh, to a, a, a teammate to try to score a goal. It's another thing entirely to, on the power play, be able to navigate through three opponents in a very tight window and not lose the puck. His puck handling might be near the top, if not the top, on the team at this point. He just is so good with the puck. He's so good in those situations of, you know, the the quick quick hitter pass to, say, Fiala on the other side of the net. He's just, he's so good in these situations that it matters most with the puck. And you go with Fiala from a guy who had two defense-oriented guys on his line for a majority of the season before Boldy got there, as soon as Boldy got on that line, it was just, it's just this level that has completely turned around, turned the wild offense into a juggernaut. I don't see any reason to suggest that. And yes, he won't, he won't end up being a point per game player, but as far as a player that, you know, can, can seriously help uh, what this wild offense is doing beyond this year, I see no reason to suggest that it won't continue because all of the things that he's good at are just instinct. And that's not something that you can necessarily teach a player. Just being able to know what to do is huge. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fire coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Right to all your favorite sports coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from all our local experts, including us. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So preseason, I picked the Minnesota Wild to come out of the West and make it to the Stanley Cup. And I wonder if you were listening that day preseason, what would you have thought of me saying that? You know, I coming into the season, I wasn't sure what to expect from this team per se, because obviously those buyouts are a huge thing that's going to be looming over this team for the next few years. One of the things that I was concerned most about coming into the year is that the Wild had a successful season last year while beating up on teams like the San Jose Sharks, the LA Kings, the Anaheim Ducks. I wondered if the success was mostly because of just playing those teams and beating them every night. And so I figured there would be some regression that, uh, you know, we might not see as successful of a year, but I still thought the team was going to be a good team, probably in the top half of the central division. 
they caught fire early on and, you know, for a brief moment were the best team in the Western Conference. And then the injuries started to uh, to kind of catch up with uh, the Wild, who are currently without Matt Dumba, currently without Jordan Greenway. Now, you may think, and I thought, just with how this team has done this all year, next man up, but sometimes you get injuries to players that just you can't replicate what they do on the ice. And so even with the fact that the Wild are in their biggest slump of the season, it still seems like a playoff team to me that could do some damage and and win a series, maybe win two series, um, depending on how things shake out. But into the season, getting to the Cup Final, I probably would have thought that was a little too high for the Wilds, but... You know, I was I was fully drinking the Kool Aid when they uh, went nine zero and one to finish off twenty twenty one. Yeah, the Wild have been a little uneven as of late. Uh, lost those back to back games against the Flames, who are a similar style team, I would say, but can execute a little better. So, what do you think the difference maker is there, and and the biggest issues facing the Wild right now? You know, I think. In Calgary, before the Tyler Toffoli trade, we saw a team that was good, but looked like they needed maybe one more piece to really take a jump to that next level. Obviously, since Toffoli, they have been unbeatable. And so, yeah, I, I feel like there are a lot of similarities between what, what they do and what the Wild do. Um, obviously, a great team offensively. If, if anything, for the Wild, I think the thing that has let them down recently has been defense and goaltending, and obviously Matt Dumba is a huge part of that. But it's crazy to me that Cam Talbot, and, and I had the numbers when he, uh, over his last nine starts, and he had the one against uh, Calgary at home. So in his last 10 starts, he's four and six, and it's either been like best goaltending you'll ever see in your life when he wins or he's basically a lock to give up five goals. And so the goaltending has been, whereas last year it was very, very even. It wasn't, you weren't getting a shutout every night or like one goal allowed, but the goaltending was so consistent last year that it helped this team, you know, if they gave up two goals, they knew that they were still going to be in the game. But now we've got this stretch where the Wild are giving up four or five goals a night, and even as good of an offense as the Wild have, that's a lot to ask for a team to try to consistently overcome um, five goals allowed. And so that coincides with the, the Canada stretch going up against everybody in Canada. So some of that is, is fixable um, with Dumba going back into the lineup at some point, hopefully soon. But, uh, you know, some of that, too, is the effect that we want to kind of see with the Wild in getting a boost from making a deadline trade to, uh, to try to kind of help breathe some life back into this team. So, Ryan Hartman, um, I covered him way back with the Plymouth Whalers. Like, they don't even exist anymore. And, and he was a terrific player. He was a pest, but he could score. He could skate. He could do a lot of things. He was a top six guy. Then, you know, he gets drafted by the Blackhawks. He plays with them turns into like that third line guy. And then when a little bit of the goal scoring tails off, he becomes this fourth line guy sort of trapped in the fourth line. Even the flyers had him, didn't have any idea how to use him, And 
Now, all of a sudden with Minnesota, he's back on the power play, which he was always a power play guy, back on the power play, back to scoring. So what do you think the ultimate difference has been in Hartman? Is it usage? Is it confidence? What do you think it is? Yeah, I think there, I think there are a few factors at play with Hartman. I think being on a line with Kirill Kaprizov to start the year and a guy who can just create so many good scoring opportunities for his line mates – I think certainly helped and you know you get a few goals going early in the season and that confidence just shoots through the roof and coming into the year Hartman himself was a guy who said that he needed to shoot the puck more and so you put him on a line with Kirill you're going to get the opportunities to do just that but mm-hmm. he played he played great in that playoff series against Vegas at the end of last year and so we saw some of that build into this season Now, recently, I think what we've seen with Hartman and with the Wild in general is you go up against some of those teams like, say, the Colorado Avalanche, Calgary, Toronto, those teams that have those really good top-line centers, you're starting to see Hartman lose a majority of the face-offs that he's in, which has then led to opposing teams being able to kind of like keep away from that uh, that top line. His shot, I think, has started to kind of cool down a little bit as well, and shooting 12 or 13% or whatever he was at early on in the season was not sustainable. That, that yeah. wasn't going to be something that would happen throughout the course of the year. Right. And so I think it just has kind of become a scenario where t- opposing teams look and say, well, we can try our best to to keep up and contend with Kaprizov, try to slow him down. We can try to slow Zuccarello down. Or I think what teams are starting to do is say, let's slow Hartman down and try to throw that line out of whack. And I think we're seeing teams start to attack the centers on this team. The wings are great. The, the Wild have you know their top two lines, their wings, very, very good. And throughout the entire roster, they've got good wings. That center position has been a question mark. And I think teams are, are trying to attack those guys more to, uh, to slow this offense down. And as of the last seven games, it certainly has worked. So the Flyers' power play is tragic in many, many ways. <laughs> but... Looking for an opening here, the wild penalty kill is kind of mid-level in the NHL right now and has struggled a little bit recently. Do you think this is an opening here where maybe the Flyers could get some mojo back on their power play? I I do. Um, The Wild's penalty kill has struggled with one thing pretty much all season. They struggle to clear the puck. Like, we we see scrums right down in front of the net, and wild players are able to get a stick on the puck and seem to only be able to get it out to the top of the zone where opposing players are waiting. They can gear up, and they can, uh, can fire off another shot. Loose rebounds have been a big problem recently with the penalty kill, too, as um, it seems like, you know, whether it be Cam Talbot or Capo Kakinen, not as good with simply controlling the puck as they have been last year or even early on this year, which has led to some good rebound opportunities for opposing teams. It has been a concern, I think even more so since Matt Dumbo went down, 
And, you know, we, we don't think of Matt Dumba as a great defensive defenseman. He's more of an offense-oriented guy, but he has really taken some strides in that category, um, especially this year. And so... And he's physical. He'll always blow up plays. Yes. Right. That, that is a huge right. part of it, too. But, yeah, I... The special teams, you know, just because the offense has been so wildly uneven over the last probably 10 games, but the power play and the penalty kill really slide under the radar because power play-wise, they're not scoring on anybody, and penalty kill, it seems like, is is a guaranteed goal every night. So that is definitely a spot for the... I like uh, it. Yeah, that's definitely a spot that the Flyers can take advantage, and on top of that... The Wild have not shied away from giving opposing teams uh, no shortage of penalty opportunities. So all of that is a culmination for bad things from a Wild perspective, but I think that's certainly something for Philly to uh, to key in on. So one last thing for me, um, you know, you talked about the goaltending and short of trying to trade for Marc-Andre Fleury, which, you know, Garen might try and do. Uh, he knows him, but... You have Kakin in there, and and he's very good. His his stats are better than Talbot. I mean, I certainly know Talbot. I've covered him a long time. Why isn't he getting more of a role in seeing if he's just ready to be the hot goalie and go with that rather than try and deal more assets and get a flurry where you could maybe get another defenseman and short things up there or get a center and short things up there? Yeah, that, that's that. I'm glad you asked that question because this is one that I've been trying to kind of get to the bottom of myself. Um I don't know, and obviously the name speaks for itself. I don't know how much of an upgrade Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be over what the Wilds currently have because you're asking this question of how much of his overall numbers and his underlying numbers are results of being on the Chicago Blackhawks this year. Mm -hmm. Is it some regression on his part with how old he is is it some of his teammates not playing well? It's I, I'm right with you. I, I would rather just see Kakinen get the um, get the the nod as kind of the starter and just go with that for the rest of the year. Talbot is you know he's a veteran guy, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of what is going on is the team just wants to give him an opportunity to try to fight out of it. I think, and I was I was looking at this the other night and. I think part of it comes down to it seems like when Capo is in and is is in net, he just does such a better job tracking the puck and not reacting too quickly. And he's faster post to post than Talbot at this point. Yeah, and I think some of his, you know, some of that I, th- I think stems from the confidence of how well he's played this year, whereas it seems like Talbot is stuck in between trying to kind of anticipate what's coming as mm-hmm. opposed to simply staying back and reacting to, you know, react to the shot when it happens, as opposed to if you've got a player on each on either side of you and you commit to one and they pass to the other and he's able to just tip it in for the wide open net, that obviously is going to look really bad. Whereas if you just wait and trust your instincts, I think that's part of the big problem for Talbot. Obviously there are, there are other things I'm sure, but, um, it just seems like a confidence thing. And, you know, kickers in the NFL, pitchers mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball, golfers. There, there are no shortage of, of athletes throughout sports who suffer from 
lack of confidence, and it really impacts their game. Yeah, Talbot's better if he comes in and tries to steal the number one spot as the backup than being the number one. And I still would put him in that position now, knowing that, hey, ace in the hole, I could always fall back on that. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I like that theory. Um, I, I just I would like to see Capo get, much, uh, get more of the starts because, you know, Talbot's contract is done, I believe, not after next year, but the year after that. And Jesper Wallstead will be, should be ready by that point. Right, He'll be ready by right. that. Yeah, to take over. And so you're going to need somebody who can maybe help him out for a year, get him, uh, get him ready to take over the starts full time after that. So that I think would be a perfect spot for uh, for Capo if he can continue to continue to build off of what he's been doing, and if the Wilds continue to give him um, plenty of opportunities. Well, that was. Really excellent information across the board about the Minnesota Wild. Again, it's just a team that's there, but Flyers fans don't get a ton of opportunity to hear about. And Seth, that was tremendous. Yeah, thank you, uh, thank you guys for uh, for hopping on, and uh, appreciate being able to chat um, hockey in general. But uh, if there are Minnesota Wild ties, obviously uh, happy to talk about those as well. Russ, I love doing these prospect profiles for draft eligible prospects. Uh, Getting ready for this upcoming draft is so important, especially for the Flyers, given the opportunity that they could have Mm -hmm. uh, in a top 10 position here. And the prospect that you're bringing to the table this week, Jonathan Lekaramaki, is such a fascinating guy to take a look at. Right now, he ranges from about 9 to 22 in the current rankings out there. Seems like about 12 is average right now. And the thing about him is that he is a guy who's much younger than most of the draft class with a July birthday. He's a right winger. And he's uh, Swedish and had been playing in the U-20 league for most of this season, but got called up in January to the SHL. And while he had a ton of productivity, I would say uh, 35 points in 26 games played in the U-20 league, uh, he's had two goals and eight assists so far in 22 games played in the SHL level. So I think that, you know, he's finding his footing in the SHL right now, but he is a great skater with excellent hands. And the biggest question is, can he translate his skill at the lower level to that higher level of hockey? I think he can. I, I, you know, he, he's a guy that's not getting talked about enough. He has played some center in the past and I do feel like he could be one of these guys that might transition to it someday, but either way, as a right winger, we'll, that's the way we'll talk about him right the moment. Uh, love his wrist shot. Like, he's got such a quick trigger on it, quick trigger on passing. Like, his passing is accurate, but he doesn't really have to think about it. And he can make that seam pass. And those are, you know, you see those when you, when you watch games and you're like, wow. And, you know, I'm not going to say he passes like this guy. But, like, last night, Connor McDavid connected on one of those. And it was just like, wow. Like, you know, when you could do that in a game, you're giving your team a, a scoring chance. I think he, you know, his speed is, is really good. And his brain that's the big thing he is a really he, he's got a high hockey iq and so when you put these things together i do think he'll be fine when he moves up the ladder i like the fact that he's young and you go for the 
extra upside with a guy like this. There's a lot to be said about that. You know, there's that argument, will the Flyers go for, again, more players that may get to the NHL quicker, or do you want the guy with the higher upside? And, you know, this is a guy with a high upside, and, again, really good on the power play. He'll lay a hit in the offensive zone to gain possession. He's not a wallflower. You know, at 5'11", maybe he's going to be 5'11", maybe he'll get a little bigger, but there's a lot to like here. Yeah, he played on a really strong U-20 team in Sweden with a, a, a lot of other strong prospects. And when that happens, the question to me always becomes, is it him or is it his line mates or the combination thereof that are making him look good? What do you think the answer to that is with him? No, I think, I think it's him because, you know, even scoring six goals at his age in the SHL is something. I mean, again, he's not going to get power play time. He's not going to be in a top six role. And so when you see a guy like that at that age scoring already, being able to score at the SHL level, that's a big deal. This guy will go back, you know, whoever drafts him, he'll go back to the SHL. He'll play another year there. Then maybe you talk about having him come to North America. Like, you know, again, I look at him and, and it's definite top six talent and potential first line talent. I may be a little higher on him than some others. I just feel like um, he's just being overlooked. I mean, everything here is what you want. The progression, the way he has stayed over there. He's been in, you know, Jurgarden's system now for a while. He's been playing on the international teams. He was a point a game with the U18s, five goals in five games. It's everything you want. Do you think that he could have enough of a two-way game at the elite level that people would be more willing to take a chance on him? Because to me, sometimes when it's all offensive upside, people worry about his ability to play at both ends of the ice. Yeah, I mean, I could I could see that that, that might be the thought process. But because he's he's got a high IQ, I think he could work on his uh, defensive game and, and get that to, to the levels that you want it at. I mean, again... One more year in the SHL, you're not going to really be able to tell what his defensive game is there anyhow because of the difference in the sheet being so much bigger and the way the game is there. So you have to pretty much wait until he comes to North America. But guys who have been transitioning lately from the SHL to North America, like, you know, Lucas Raymond, guys like that, they're, right. they're, they're doing okay. Yeah, I think so too. I just... I worry with him only because I look at Morgan Frost and how they've developed him. <laughs> you know, a guy with such a strong offensive upside like that, that they've tampered in order to create a two-way player. And I know it sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here with wanting the defensive skill, but I, I don't want to do it at the expense of the offensive skill. And so are the Flyers the right fit for him, I guess is my question. No, I think it's a good fit. And I think the difference here with, with him and, and a Morgan Frost is he is already sort of playing up in age and having to, you know, deal with that overseas. Also, when you come from overseas to here, 90% of the time they like the game. It seems a little easier because then it becomes more of a reflex game because now it's like you don't have that time. And they like not having that time because then you're just relying on your instincts and he's got great instincts. And I just think that's the little bit, you know, Frost is learning how to play up, and this guy's already been doing it. So I think there's a difference there. No, I, I think that's a fair point. And, you know, it sounds like he's somebody that's pretty exciting. And, 
you know, based on where he is in the rankings, where the Flyers could end up, I think people could potentially see this as a reach. But who knows? Maybe he'll go up in the rankings as we get closer to the draft. I think he might. And, you know, again, I always go back to, you know, people thought Pierre-Luc Dubois was a reach. Oh, what are, what are they doing? They're crazy. Oh, he's going to try and play center. That's never going to happen. It's all happened. So sometimes it does work out well. You have to just believe in that player, and you don't care if anybody else thinks it's a reach. If you like that player in that spot, you take him. Well, that's an excellent approach to take in the draft, and we'll be continuing to look at some of these potential picks as the draft approaches this summer in Montreal. Uh, that'll do it for today's show. Thanks once again to Seth Topol of Locked on Wild. We will be back again tomorrow to recap the game against the Minnesota Wild. And of course, we'll have our gritty thing of the week as well. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your thoughts and your mailbag questions via Twitter at Locked on Flyers, or you can email us at Locked on Flyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.